Hey everybody, Kim here with Little Biz Resources, and today I'm going to talk about three reasons why people think marketing fails. Many times I hear people say that marketing doesn't work, and the reality is that marketing should work. You know, top marketers, they're paid top dollar because when marketing does work, like it's supposed to, it is very, very profitable. But good marketers are not guessing at their marketing strategies. They know what is needed and they focus on the process. So if marketing doesn't work, there's something wrong with the process. Today, I'm going to focus on the top three reasons I see personally that I found that it makes it look like marketing fails. Reason number one of why marketing fails. The products, services, or information is either low quality or appears low quality, or you just don't have something to offer. Now, I lumped those two together, even though they could be kind of separate, because I tend to see that there's a lot of people who say marketing doesn't work, but they're not selling anything, right? And then other people who say marketing doesn't work and they're selling something that's horrible. So this tends to be those two together tend to be the most popular reason I see for why people think marketing doesn't work. And I lump them together because they're very similar. I hear about a lot of people who build up some sort of marketing asset, such as a Facebook page, and they get upset they're not making money. I ask them about their offer and they act like I've offended them in some way. And no, that's, they're not in our group. They're just people I've come across as I'm talking in other groups. And, you know, the question really is very simple. What are you offering that makes you money? If you answer something like, well, I have a Facebook page of 10,000 followers, that is not a way to make money. You know, if you've got 10,000 followers, that's great. But if you're not promoting something, you can't make money, right? And of course, when you build up your marketing channels before you have something to offer, you're basically putting the cart before the horse. And yes, there are ways you can still benefit from building up channels first, but you still need to start with the end in mind before building that Facebook page, because otherwise you're wasting your time, literally. Now I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some examples through this. There's nothing specific. I want you guys to like, think I'm talking specifically to somebody. This is just general stuff that I've observed. So the little biz resources, Facebook group, that's the group that, that I have now. It was formerly lead generation source Facebook group. And I think before that it was K and K something. And we got started because of Trex. Now, for those of you who don't know what Trex is, Trex was an e-commerce platform that incorporated print on demand. That's when you sell like shirts or pants or something and you have a design, you, um, you sell it, but your manufacturer person doesn't make it and fulfill it. So the t-shirts made, but they don't print the design until it sells. And then they drop ship it to your customer. Great model, not very profitable. We'll talk about that another time. So what, what Trex did was they took the print on demand model and then they put it into their own website. That was a type of funnel builder. Now it sounds all great, but mm, anyway, so we, we literally started the group because the Trex training told us said, okay, Hey, to be successful, start building a Facebook page, but our websites were not even built yet. Cause it was a, it was a done for you website, which, Oh, let's not talk about that. So anyway, they, the, the Trex trainers, while they had good hearts and all, they were horrible at Facebook training and they even provided completely bad guidance. In fact, guidance that expired quickly after that, because they said, Oh, do it this way. And then within probably a year and a half, the methods that they taught 
Facebook removed, right? So they had, they really did not know what they were doing with Facebook or Facebook ads. So me being trained and certified in Facebook ads and trained on Facebook marketing, I offered Facebook training to help people get started. That's how Little Biz Resources, which was formerly the generation source and formerly K&K something or other, that's how, that's how we got started, right? Is we were putting the marketing first. So honestly, the Trex idea sounded amazing. And, and if they could have gotten the technology to work, it probably would have been amazing. But the bulk of us that were in the, in the Facebook group together, we struggled to get the pieces to work together. And there were some specific reasons why. And so there were a couple questions and problems that we faced. So one of the things that we looked at was, what do we offer that people will buy? Right. This is a print on demand model. So theoretically we should say, okay, what kind of design on a t-shirt or something. Right. But in, in reality, we should be doing research and testing this to find out, right? We should be doing some sort of research and then that should help us fine tune where we're going. But the Trex model at the time claimed to have proven designs that converted. And in all honesty, I only ever saw one design that they showed us as proof of that concept. And then I ran, I ran the math, right? I said, okay, well, they made this much in, in sales because they gave us enough numbers where I could extrapolate some information. And I'm fairly confident that if any one of us that had purchased the Trek system had done the same thing they did that they're trying to prove as, oh, this is so profitable, we would have been still in the negative because our cost for the shirts that they were showing as proof was much higher than what they had paid. So when you put our costs in, it would have been negative. So I didn't see any, anything that actually was a was proven that the, that particular model with that particular system and everything would have been profitable. Now, if we take the model and put it somewhere else, who knows, but that's neither here nor there. The second thing that, that we found with the Trek system is that my sister and I did um, a lot of test orders to verify the quality of the products. Now I'm going to go with 10 orders, but we did a lot more than 10 orders. And so when I'm saying out of at least 10 orders, I'm saying like if it was 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever it was, only one out of every single order we did arrived without any issues. Right now, some of them, the quality was okay, but the customer service was over and above to get it to work. Like we had to go through, jump through hoops to get the product to the level it needed to be and to the customer. Right. So there was just one that was not like over resource taxing on us and showed up as, as, as a high enough quality. So this to us was a clear indication that we were offering a low quality product, right? Because 90% of the time or more, we were sending out products that were not meeting the expectations of our clients. So, and I will say for those that have Trex, I understand this was not everyone's experience and that the supplier has changed since this, like they, they changed the way they do things. So I'm not saying that they're bad, they're good, whatever. I'm just saying that that was our experience. And when you look at that, we were facing, we had no idea what to offer because we couldn't test. We had tough enough time testing the products and the products are low quality. So reason number one, no quality, low quality or nothing to offer. We were hitting both of these with that model, right? So that's kind of just, just an example. So a better example of low quality is kind of like a used car example and connecting this with value. I want you to remember value, right? So when my husband and I, we moved to Utah a few months ago, actually back in December, we decided we needed a four wheel drive vehicle. Now I had all wheel drive already. 
in my Mazda, but we, we have a mine here in Utah and we decided, oh, hey, it's a tungsten mine. We were sold it as a gold mine, but whatever. We're like, oh, hey, we'll go out to the mine, bring back some treasures. By the way, there are none, but that's okay. It's still fun to do, right? So we said, okay, that's what we really want to do. So I decided, I said, okay, I want a vehicle that is luxurious on the inside because my Mazda was really nice inside. My brother gave me the car and it was like super nice. So I was had a tough time getting rid of it. And I was like, okay, I want luxurious on the inside so that I don't mind driving around everywhere. And that, you know, it was nice ride and everything else. And then I also wanted it to be able to drive up the side of the mountain. And I didn't want it to be a truck. Okay. Those are my kind of like very specific requirements. So it really, really narrowed down my options. And so I initially wanted a Hummer H2, which H2, of course, is just Hummer 2. <clears throat> so I went to see several Hummers, but then I quickly realized that the price for the H2 was not very comparable to the quality of the vehicle. So to me, to me, the, the value was not meeting the asking price, right? I felt they were selling like a $5,000 vehicle for 10 to 12 or more thousand dollars. And then of course, additionally, the H2 is basically an enclosed and shorter truck and it drove like a truck and it's still real wide, right? So the final kicker for the H2, which made me turn away from it was that I am too short to get into the vehicle. And all the ones we were looking at didn't have those little step things on it. We had to add them. So that was even more that I had to add to it. And I was like, look, I feel like that should already be part of the vehicle because that's a known problem, right? So I, I felt like the value provided by the H2 was not good enough. So I didn't convert, right? So then I told my husband that I'd be interested in the Land Rover. But the last time I had a Land Rover, I spent so much time and money I dumped it into my vehicle just to keep it running and it, and I was paying payments on it at the time. So he did some research because he's like, well, no, I know that Land Rovers are known for that and blah, blah, blah. And he did some research and he found that that particular Land Rover was known for it along with another one. But both of those had since been discontinued and that one and they'd fixed the issues in the new in newer models of the Land Rover. And so I was like, okay, well, that helped me kind of overcome my objections to a Land Rover, which is something we'll talk about another time. But I was concerned about the Land Rover. We addressed that concern. So we overcame that objection and we focused on it. So he did more research and he found out that um, there was a specific Land Rover that would meet my requirements. And, and just real quick before I get too far into this, for those of you who decide you want to message me and say, just get a Jeep. I have a Jeep. Okay. We actually bought a Jeep first. So we bought a Jeep. We still have it. And it was cheaper. It was great price and everything else. It was way less than the Hummer, but I hate it. I hate sitting in it. I hate the smell of it. I hate its stupid little noises that it makes. It beeps at me for stupid things that I can't control. And I just don't like it. Now it does have four wheel drive. It's got, it's, it's above and beyond what we, what the Mazda would have been able to do to get out to the mine. So yes, we can take it out to the mine, but ironically it also hurts my husband's back. So it basically just sits in the garage for the most part. But so don't, don't message me about getting a Jeep because I already have one. And the Jeeps that were, were met my in inside quality requirements were way too high for, you know, our budget range. So we decided, cause I'm not guys, even if I can afford it, I'm not going to pay a ton of money for a vehicle. It's just not going to happen. I, I don't do that. So he did more research and found that the Land Rover LR3, remember Hummer H2 Land Rover LR3, which LR stands for Land Rover 3. It's actually part of the Discovery series. Um, for those who are, are fans of Land Rover, it was the, he found that it was the perfect 
version of Land Rover to go out to the mine and do all the things we wanted to do. And so it, so we said, okay, well, we'll go look at one. There was literally only one available in the area. So we went to look at it and, oh my gosh, it was so luxurious inside. Now there's, you know, it's a 2008, guys, it's a 2008. So I told you I'm not going to pay a ton of money for a vehicle. So we found one that was around the same price as the H2, as the Hummer, but it was just a little bit more. And then we were like, they're like, well, do you want this and this and this? And guess what? They upsold us. Why? Because the value was there. So remember my objections about it breaking down all the time? They offered us a warranty to cover that. So that while that increased the price, because I thought the car was so much value, I was willing to pay more, right? So in this example, the poor quality products, so in this case, the Hummers that we looked at, could not convert me to a customer because they were a poor quality for the asking price in my perception. Now the Land Rover, I converted to a customer with an upsell and paid almost double the price that I would have for the H2 because I felt the value was completely worth it. Now I want you guys to understand, this is not just, this is this is pure perception because when we called for the, to say, hey, how much can we get, um, you know, the, a note on it for, they were like, we could get way more for the H2 than we could for the LR3. And we're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. The LR3 is better. It has better quality. It has better reliability in this particular instance, the two cars were, you know, with the cars we're comparing, but they're like, oh no, no, the H2 is worth way more. That's what they tell us. And I'm like, look, the H2 can't do half of what I need it to do. And the LR3 does everything I want it to do. Plus it's high quality. So I was very baffled by this, but again, it goes back to perception. So I felt that the LR3 was a higher quality that helped me convert, right? So now we go, okay, wait a second. Now, what does this have to do with marketing? This is exactly what it has to do with marketing, right? If your product service or information is either low value, so it's just like cheap quality or it appears to be a low quality, so low value, either one, low quality, low value, they're interchangeable. You will have much lower conversions. So you drive, you drive somebody to the page. It looks like it's a dollar product and you're charging $50 for it, right? Less people are, you might get one or two people to convert, but it's going to be way less, which makes it look like your marketing's not working. But really your marketing is working. It's just that your offer is not very good. You're not providing the value that people feel like they should have. So it's not the marketing in this case. So everybody thinks that the reason why it's failing is because it's low, is because of the marketing, but it's really because it's low quality or nothing, or you don't have anything to offer. So we're going to talk more about what to do if you just don't have anything to offer. And just know that if you have no way to make money, you shouldn't be marketing yet. And if you are marketing, you are probably just wasting money. So now there are some unique circumstances. You may be doing, have a specific strategy and don't be like, well, Kim said, no, obviously if you have a strategy, that's yours. This is general. So just keep that in mind. All right. Reason number two of why marketing fails. The funnel is broken or there just isn't a funnel in place. Okay. And these kind of are, are both because you, you have to fix it one way or the other. So let's talk about a funnel real quick to keep this simple is the process you take your customer, client, or even guest through, right? And I, I say guest sarcastically because I was 
in a store the other day and they're like, I'll help the next guest. And I'm like, oh, give me a break. Rolling my eyes, wanting to vomit. Because seriously, if a guest comes over to my house, I don't charge them any money. Now, if, if a, a customer or a client does, then I would charge them money. Now, I'm not going to say I take customers or clients to my house. And so no jokes about that. But I'm just saying that a guest is somebody that you host generally for free, right? Now, so the fact that these companies are trying to get away with calling people guests, I'm like, ugh, barf. So anyway, now I'm done with that tangent. So many business owners just simply don't have a funnel or the system or funnel that they have is broken, right? That's, that's one of the, that's another large one that I see. So people go, oh, well, marketing doesn't work, but really marketing is working. They're just, they're like, oh, it costs so much. Well, yeah, it does cost a lot. So that's why you have to have your funnel in place. So I'm going to take, let's just take a quick look at an example of a broken funnel. So a few years ago, my husband and I owned a security company. Our funnel was very, very simple. People who found our website or our information, you know, on a directory or something, they called our phone number. When they called, we would get their information and pass along to our salesperson, which is, by the way, not the most, the best funnel, but it's simplistic enough. And it works, just just not optimal. So that's not broken in, in the concept of just it could be better. But the we did have a funnel that was broken in two places. So if you think about that, they call us, we take the information, we give it to our salesperson. That's our funnel. So first, the first place it was broken is that half of the day, so half of the business day, we didn't have someone answering the phones. It was just in the afternoon because we didn't have the money to hire someone to cover the phones in the morning. And I was taking care of my very young daughter at the time. We just couldn't, we, we were juggling, juggling it and just couldn't get it done. So we, there were less calls in the morning, so we didn't answer them. And that turned out to be one of our pitfalls because we were missing some critical calls of people trying to get stuff done. They get up in the morning and they call first thing and, no, and nobody would be there to answer. Now, a relatively painless fix to this now is to have people submit their information over the website. And we just call the people back who actually fill out the forms since they're most likely to become customers. That way we don't waste our time on people who aren't interested. And I will tell you, I cannot tell you, that's part of the reason why we stopped answering the phones in the morning was because 90% of the calls that we would get on most days was spam calls from like, oh, you, we can rank you on page one for like five different keywords. I already ranked for 10, idiot. Sorry, I won't go into that tangent either. So anyway, our second breakdown or second broken piece of our funnel was our salesperson. We required, so my husband and I, we, we just really didn't have much oversight because there was just like five of us working or six of us at different times. And we just didn't, we just felt like people should do their job. Apparently that's not the way it works. So we required no real accountability from, from our salespeople and we just relied on them to do their jobs. So one day I realized that we were not getting anyone converting to customers from the leads that we had coming in on the phone. And, and trust me, I did a really good job getting us to rank in Google My Business. So when people search, if they were local, they were finding us. And that's a whole different story. But we were getting the phone calls and we were taking the information and we were passing it to the salespeople. And then when we asked for a follow-up, we would get a story about why they didn't convert. But it made no sense because it would be like, I'd be like, well, they already have a system. They just want to get, you know, they just want to get, um, uh, crap, I can't want to say hosting. <laughs> I guess I've been the website stuff too long. <laughs> they want to get monitored for their security system. That's, they just need to add monitoring. They already have a system. 
And then he'd come back and be like, well, they didn't want to pay for the system. I'm like, well, they don't need to pay for the system. They already had a system and they just need monitoring. He's like, well, that's not what they said to me. And so it became apparent after, after a period of time that our salespeople were either not following up the leads we gave them or they were just completely botching the sale because I basically pre-sold them to the point where literally the salesperson just had to show up and get them to sign the paperwork and then schedule the appointment. And I couldn't legally sell to them because I didn't have a license to do it. And that's the way it was at the time. Who knows now? But that's that's where I found out. So the only solution to a problem like this is to either retrain the salesperson or people or replace them. Right? That's it. And I know that's hard. That's tough to do. And that's why we never did it. But And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail this time. But it is possible to replace the salesperson with an automated funnel, which we'll talk about another time. So instead of having, then, and if you do that, instead of having one person sell to one person, you have one person sell to many people, maybe through something like a video sales message or a webinar, or, you know, even if they do this all the time where you go up and you do a presentation, right? So there's lots of different ways to do one to many selling. And of course, we'll talk more about this later. So broken funnels tend to be fixable for the most part, but not having a funnel is something I see even more often, right? So that was our funnel. And that was something that we were doing. Now, your business gets killed if you don't have leads coming in. And so that if you don't fix that or you don't have an alternative, it's going to happen. It's going to be a problem. But let's go back to the Trex example from reason number one, right? So the the way we would find out if something converted or not with our e-commerce print-on-demand products was that we would send traffic to one product. So in this case, you would pick like five products, three to five products, and you'd say, okay, I'm going to run ads to each of them. And then if somebody buys, that's great. If somebody, I would know that that one's a winner, essentially. And then if not, I would I would say, assume that it's not. Now, with the cost of advertising today, it would be relatively impossible, if not completely impossible, to break even with print-on-demand because of the low margins. And if you're only offering a single product. So even with print-on-demand, period, even with multiple products selling, you may not be able to break even on the front end. It's just, just, that's the way the model is. It's just such low margins. Now we could have added a second and third product in the funnel. So like an upsell. So, okay, you bought this t-shirt now buy this product. Oh, you bought this product now buy this product. And we could do that just, we could, we could have added those on just to see if those products would happen to convert, but there would be a lot of effort because let I me mean, think about that. So we're going to go, okay, three to five and hope for a winner. So we may have to run a hundred ads to find one winner. And if we're running, if we're building funnels and all of those products, that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of time that we've been, we've built, you know, we put into that just to find out if maybe one, one would, would work. And that's just, it's just not profitable to do that. And unfortunately, that's why a lot of gurus are still promoting how you should do, how you should advertise and market. But again, another day we'll talk about that. So if my website was still working, um, which many of ours are not, I would do it a completely different way now, right? A completely different way. Um, I do like the funnel idea, which is, so I would keep the funnel. So, but instead of just building funnels and then a hundred different funnels and hoping that one of them takes off, because here's the thing is you have a hundred front end products. What's your second product? You're guessing. What's your third product? You're guessing. How many products do you need? You're guessing. I mean, literally the whole thing is a guess. So instead of guessing and just hoping, I mean, you know, we, it's, it's just, instead of doing that, we would find some, a competitor that is doing something similar. You know, we're not going to replicate exactly what they're doing because that's stealing, 
but we could say, okay, look, this guy's selling a t-shirt. Let me go through their funnel. So I buy the t-shirt and I see what my offer, my next offer is. Because if they're doing it profitably, then mimicking or modeling something that is similar to that, you can do the same. So if they sell a t-shirt and then they sell a hat, then you should sell a t-shirt and then a hat, right? And so Russell Brunson describes this as funnel hacking by, and, and again, you can, you can learn more about that from him and I'll have a link um, at the end of this, but by funnel hacking, you increase your odds of success simply by implementing a proven customer process. So now there's no guarantees for success because it's a different product, right? But if they're selling a t-shirt and you're selling a t-shirt and you mimic or model their funnel, then you have improved your odds of success significantly. If they're successful, if you model somebody who's not successful, there's no guarantees. So instead of, again, instead of guessing that the next item they want after buying your mug is a t-shirt, you can see what someone else that is successful offers and model your funnel in a similar method. And of course you can learn to do this and build your first funnel in the one funnel way challenge, which I'll have the link at the end of this. All right, let's see here. Reason number three of why marketing fails. The marketing efforts focus on slower methods or readjust in patient overall. What, Kim? You're saying, wait, what? So there are two things that I'm talking about here. One is that if we're focusing our marketing efforts on something that's slow, right? And an example of that is Pinterest, which I'll talk about in just a second. Then we're going to have a slow result. We're going to have slow results, right? So slow results tend to mean we go, oh, well, our marketing methods aren't working then. Well, not necessarily, right? They could be working. We just won't know for a while. And that's where it could be we are just impatient, right? And we could just be saying, hey, you know what? I want something to happen this week. Whereas the particular things that we're implementing may take a month, four months, six months, a year. It just depends on what you're doing. So let's go back to Pinterest as the example for um, slow method, right? So in fact, Pinterest is so slow that I no longer prioritize Pinterest as one of my primary marketing methods. I just It just takes so long to build any momentum with them that if you're not paying for ads, I should say, that I just don't, I, I don't. I haven't been talking about it lately. There are some things that we can talk about, but I just like, I've stopped prioritizing it. It's, it's a tertiary method at best, which means really far out. So Pinterest even tells you, they tell you this when you're marketing, they say, look, our platform is most useful to users that are in the research phase, research, not buyer research. So these are for people who are looking for ideas, but not ready to commit. That's what Pinterest says the majority of their users are doing. That doesn't mean people aren't selling on there, guys. It just means that if you're doing organic Pinterest, so you're not paying for ads, that it's, it could take you a very long time to build up any type of momentum. So then you're probably saying, uh, Kim, why on earth would I use Pinterest then? And I say to you, Pinterest does have value. It is actually highly valuable for building awareness of you, of your product, your service, or even whatever solution you have. Now, sometimes they don't even know they have a problem and you could make them aware of the problem. So this is a great, we'll talk about this another time, but Pinterest is really good for marketing to cold traffic or slightly warm traffic, right? So you could do in even some warm traffic, but not ready to convert traffic. That's, that's generally what you're going to find. Now you will find some people who are, are more likely to, to buy, but those tend to be when you've 
you've been on there organically, you've got retargeting ads going, you know, they've been exposed to you a few times and then they're ready to buy. So that's where it's like, yes, you can do it, but this strategy on Pinterest is much more than it is if you, if you focus on a platform that is targeting hot, warmer buyers. And again, the cold, warm and hot, we'll talk about another time. And I actually think I have it on the website. If you guys are interested, there's some about it in there. All right. So based on my testing, you need to be very active on Pinterest and use at least retargeting ads to capture those people that are ready to buy. And again, this is a great platform to capture people at the beginning of their journey and then convert them to someone you follow up with on an email list or through other methods. So like Pinterest, if you're doing organic Pinterest, most of the so-called free methods are slower methods. I say free in quotes because mm, a lot of these methods are not necessarily free if you want to do it right. And of course, search engine optimization or SEO is one that I absolutely love. It's my, one of my favorite marketing methods, but it tends to be a slower marketing method. And this is because it takes time to build up all the different elements required to rank on the first page of search engines. And it can easily take six to eight months or even longer for more competitive industries before you know if your strategies are even working. So, oh, I've gone six months, are they working? Well, as long as I'm in a non-competitive industry, I should know, nothing happened, I need to tweak. Now I need to wait another six months, oh, nothing happened, I need to tweak. And so it literally can take a long time to get results. And I, I do honestly teach, I do teach a 10 minute a month advanced SEO method, but even that method, even though it only takes 10 minutes a month to implement the advanced SEO and may speed up the process, it also may not, right? Because there are no guarantees with SEO. So it could take several months before you see any movement. Now, the stuff that I teach, of course, is all legit. So there's no reason why you're doing something wrong. It just may be not as strong and may take longer for some people. Anyway, so most people, including myself and probably you, want feedback on what they're doing immediately, right? You want to know, hey, is my SEO working? Hmm. It's been a week. Is it working? I don't know because it hasn't taken six months right? So you want feedback a lot faster than what these free methods can offer. And so that's where I think people go, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing Pinterest marketing and I'm not, I haven't made any sales. Honestly, I can hardly track that stuff anymore. They're so convoluted. But if you're doing free methods, your, your marketing's going slow. You don't know that marketing's failing, right? So it may not be the marketing's failing. It just may be it's too slow. You can't, you can't see the results and we're just impatient. So along that same lines of slow methods, free methods, et cetera, is the concept of hope marketing. Now, some of you may have heard me talk about this before, but this is where you build a website or some sort of online asset and you just hope people find it. See hope marketing. There's no strategy behind it. It's just put it out there and hope. While this can work, sort of, on some of the marketplaces like Amazon or Etsy, it is improbable that it will work for your own website. So if you have a Shopify site and you go, oh, well, I put up a Shopify site and I think somebody will find me. Not very likely. Sorry, not very likely. No matter what you offer or where you offer it, you will most likely need to drive traffic in some method. And so hope marketing just is not how you drive traffic. You can't just will people to your site without doing anything. You have to convince them to come to your site. Now I will say, it's not like this has never happened to me before. I have, I have accidentally, it's been quite a few years now, maybe six, seven, something like that years since, and I had somebody that accidentally found one of my old websites. Now 
honestly, I thought the website was shut down. But in this instance, the person was looking for a specific product. They found my website. They purchased the product on my website. Now, I thought the website was shut down. So all my notifications were down. There was nothing active. And the next thing I know, I get an email from PayPal. You know, it's like months later. I get an email from PayPal saying that they've, uh, you know, they've, um, what is it? They questioned the charge or requested the money back or whatever. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So I went in there and I was like, oh my gosh, they purchased this. And like back when they purchased it, it was completely out of stock and had been out of stock for over a year. So, you know, it's easy. It's kind of easy to rank for that if nobody has it anymore, right? So the moral of the story is it's easy to compete against no one when their product doesn't exist. But don't do that because it makes the person you found that found you mad. So they'll never buy from you again. And it also makes PayPal mad and probably your website hosting too if they find out you're doing that on a regular basis. All right, so we are going to expand on these concepts more over the next days and weeks. And I'm going to cover each of these marketing fails in greater detail, right? So we're going to dive into the next time we'll dive into reason number one and explore different types of offers because sometimes it's about the offer, right? That's just kind of the way it is. You've got, you got offers and they have to have value. And those are things that we're all going to, we're going to talk about and show and, and discuss how, what kinds of offers that you can provide. And in the meantime, if you're like, oh, hey, Kim, I'm ready to learn more. I want to, I want to just dive in. I would recommend that you get started with your first funnel and the one funnel way challenge from Russ Brunson. You go to littlebizresources.com slash OFAC, one funnel OA challenge, get that? So littlebizresources.com slash OFAC, and that'll take you to information about the one funnel OA challenge. And if you happen to be finding us outside of the Facebook group, I would recommend that you join the Little Biz Resources Facebook group at fb.com slash groups slash Little Biz Resources. Or if you prefer the longer one, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Little Biz Resources. And just you know, feel free to join us. Please answer the questions. If you don't answer the questions, I can't let you into the group because we're getting way too many spammers joining. So that's it for me today. Um, I know that this is live. And if you guys had questions, I apologize, but I am, I'm, um, live on multiple platforms. So I can't, there's nothing I could do about, um, seeing the, the comments on all of them. I can't even look at it at the same time as I'm streaming. So because of that, I'll just have to come back afterwards and answer anything. So if you were like, Hey, Kim's kind of ignoring me. I apologize. It's just, I, I expanded to more, more channels and more, um, you know, I don't know, technical areas. So I can reach more people, hopefully. So anyway, join us. If you are new, please join us. If you have questions that I'm not answering and you're not inside the Facebook group, please post it inside the Facebook group because I'm more likely to see it there. So fb.com slash groups slash little biz resources. And until then, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.